Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. So hopefully you find it um, funny. <laughs> so the first one says, a little boy wanted a new bike. He decided to pray about it. He paced in his living room, thinking what to pray, and said, God, if you get me the bike, I'll be a good boy for the rest of my life. Then he thought, God will never believe that. So he tried again. God, if you get me that new bike, I'll be good for three weeks. <laughs> he thought, God won't believe that either. He spotted a statue of the Virgin Mary on the mantle and got an idea. He took the statue to his room, tucked it in a drawer, and returned to the living room. Then he prayed, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, I need a new bike. <laughs> Thank God for our children. That's power of bargaining. <laughs> so I have an extra one. So that's a bonus joke for us. It says, dearest Jim, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've had since ever breaking up our engagement. Please say you take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Mary. P.S. Also, congratulations on winning the state lottery. <laughs> God bless Mary. Hopefully some of us will get it. So the apology comes after the winning the lottery. Amen. So let's um, take our confession. Every day... And in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. In my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. We are going to take it one more time. So let's say it like we've eaten and like we mean what we are saying. Every day, and in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. In my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we give you praise this morning, O God. We thank you for your word. We thank you because your word is powerful. Your word is alive. Your word is active. Your word transforms, your word changes, oh God. This morning we pray that you breathe upon your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask, oh God, that you grant me utterance in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask for eyes that see you. We ask for ears that hear you. We ask for hearts that understand you in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. Lord, help us, oh God, to be doers of your word and not hearers and deceiving ourselves in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. Lord, we declare that your word will do what only it can do in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. So this morning, I would like to share with us on what I've titled walking in love walking in love for the last um seven weeks we've been talking about the holy spirit the holy spirit and us in this series so this morning i will be rounding us out of the series the holy spirit i mean walking in love we started um, by talking about 
the Holy Spirit and us, things we need to know about the Holy Spirit. Then we talked about um, the gift of the Spirit. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about um, partnership with the Holy Spirit was what we talked about last week. But today, I'm going to be talking about walking in love. I know if we remember quite, um, when we're talking about that, we talked about one thing, which was love. Love was um, something that was recurring in this message as we talked about partnership with the Holy Spirit, communion with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to take our Bible reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, from verse 1 to 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, from verse 1 to 13. Says, do I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but not have, but have not love? I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And do I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge? And do I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love? I am nothing. So look at all the things that love is. I mean, things that we can do possibly do without love. And it's still telling us there that if we do all of those things, we are nothing. So verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abideth faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of this is love. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. We have seen this encompass all of the things we have talking about, we, we've spoken about before now. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And this passage still said, even though I have all of those things, I have faith, I can remove mountains, I have all of those things, and I do not walk in love, all of it is in vain. You talked about the gift of the, um, gift of the Spirit. He said, even though I can speak in tongues, I can prophesy, if I do all of those things without love, then it profits me no, nothing. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. If we, we know in path, I will prophesy in path. So this is what the thing, um, this scripture is telling us, making us understand that love is the essence of it. Love is, is the fruit from which all of the other fruits comes from. Like I know Pastor was saying the other time that when, when we talk about love, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we are not talking about fruits. We are talking about just one. So love is, is the one thing that without it, I mean, we love every other one. The hope comes from the joy, the faithfulness, the gentleness, all spans from this one. And I'm going to show us uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 in the TPT translation. It says, but the fruits 
produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. So divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of victory, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above those qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. They are meant to be limitless. That's what the Bible says in this one. So it says the fruit, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is love, divine love, with all its varied expression. So how, if this is the, the thing that would need, then how do we walk in love? How do we make this practical for us? How do we, do we just confess? Do we, does love just make manifest and we just say to people we love them? Or how do we express that love? How do we make it something that is tangible to people? We are commanded to, we are commanded to love, to walk in love. That's one thing. Love is not, uh, it's not a suggestion. It's not as Christians. It's not something that we just think, oh, maybe we can do, or we can choose the people we express love to, or we can choose the people we show love to. We are commanded to love. In John chapter 15, it says, John chapter 15, verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And this is Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples. When he was going to go, so to say some of the last words Jesus was telling his disciples, he was discussing with them, he says, this is my commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not um, something we do when it's convenient. This is my commandment. Commandment means something we have to do. It's a must. So he's saying, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And why do we have to walk in love again? What are the reasons why we have to walk in love again? We walk in love because what? We are trying to imitate our father by choosing to walk in love. We are trying to imitate our father by choosing to walk in love. First John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Okay, first John 4, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So that means we can, be, we can say we are Christians, but if we are not walking in love, it means that we do not know God. So that's just the, the plain truth of it. It says, if we do not love, we do not know God. If we don't love, we don't know God. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 5 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Like we said, we are trying to imitate our father. It says what? Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. We are trying to imitate God. And Jesus Christ is our perfect example. When he was going, he didn't just tell us just love. He, he demonstrated what we, we needed to do to love. He showed us the perfect example. And that's why Paul was pointing back the, the earlier believers that let us imitate Father. Let us imitate God our Father and walk in love as Christ also did. We are supposed to imitate the way God, I mean Christ walked on earth because he's our perfect example. And what did he do when he was on earth? What are some of the things he did on, uh, when he was on earth? When Jesus met the woman at the well, did he just, after the woman was, did he, when Jesus even told, give me water to drink, the woman was actually like, why would a Jewish man talk to me? But that's not the, 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 the thing. Jesus like, if you know who is talking to you, you ask me of water. He approached, like, he doesn't consider our state. 
Because he wants to reach our hearts. That's what the love of God does. He does not consider the state of the people, but he's trying to reach the heart of the people. Look at the woman that was caught in the heart of adultery. He says, let's, let's, if anyone that has not sinned here, let him be the first to cast the stone. He's not looking at you, but you should have said, I am a woman, but first, at least you too. You shouldn't have done that. You committed adultery. Let's deal with the sin first before we... But no, he addressed the issue of this. So if anyone of you here has not done worse, then let him be the first person to cast the stone. Look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a short man. He ran to the tree to, so that he could see Jesus Christ. And when Jesus got to the tree, he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Salvation has come to your house. Today I'm going to dine with you. And people were wondering, why would you go to the house of a task collector? What are you looking for to, to be associated with a task collector? But that's not the heart of the Lord. The heart of the Lord is to reach every man because he died and paid the price for us. And that's what is expected of us if we are to imitate our father. We don't look at what the things people do might, might be sin, but we hate the sin, but we don't hate the sinner. And that's the thing God wants us to do. He wants us to show for people should see us that this person is really genuine. And there's something how like people say Christians are phony, like that we pretend. And that's not supposed to be, we are not supposed to be known as people that pretend. Because if we are imitating our father, that shouldn't be what we'll be known for. We should be people that really go out of our way to be genuine to, to people. Another thing about this love of work is that, this working in love is that like love is the fulfillment of the love. Some of us, we have all of these other things we want to do. We want to be obedient. We want to honor God. We want to, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, don't kill, don't commit fornication, adultery. Don't take what does not belong to you. But it says the summation of the law is to is just this one thing, which is what to live in love. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says that it says, Oh no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. That is the summation of all of those things. If you want to, if you want to, to fulfill all of the laws, all the ones, suppose the ones that are not written in the Ten Commandments. Oh, don't wear clothes that is made from two materials. Don't eat this, don't eat that. If you want to fulfill all of these laws, all of these requirements, then walk in love. Walk in love. Because that's what the Bible says, that what? Walking in love helps us to. It says, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He who walks, he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So I'm going to quickly run through some of the attributes of this love. <clears throat> what are some of the attributes of this love? Which we have read from in um, in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, we said, "Lord, love." The first one, so I'm going to say like there are ten of them. Paul gives us ten characteristics of divine love. Ten characteristics of divine love, and we saw them when we read through the the scripture in First Corinthians. So the first one is that love, love, love is patience. It's not under stress. It's no hurry. There's no hurry with love. It suffers long and is kind. So 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. And verse 7 also says, So verse 7 says, It bears all things, believes all things, Hopes all things and endures all things. So the first characteristic is that his patience is not under stress. Love is no, there's no hurry with love and it suffers long. And we talk about love being patient because I know I'm saying um, when we express love to other people, when they see what we, they see us um, display the love of Christ. But it starts with us. 
I want us to, to start from the foundation of it. When Jesus Christ was going, and one of the things he told the disciples is that you should go and preach, starting from Jerusalem. And where is our Jerusalem? Our Jerusalem is our home, our family. If we are harsh with our children, our husbands, our spouses, love is not. Because some of us, because, which is, is in me inclusive, it's, it's easier for us to be nice, to put up a good face to other people. They only see us, even at work, they see you 8 to 5 or whatever the time is. But your spouse or your children that are with you for the longer time, it's, it's hard to bear with them. It's almost like they are stepping on, they are, they are pressing all the buttons that they shouldn't be pressed, especially with our children. So how do, we treat, how do we treat them? Are we always screaming at them? Because I say something that our children, we should be the expression of God, our children we experience first before they'll come to the knowledge of Christ. Before your children come to that point where they can give their hearts to the Lord, we are supposed to be the demonstration of God that they would see. Because I remember a story that a man of God was sharing that um, I think is the child was about five years or so. And each time they're always praying on the table, like before they eat, they're blessed, their meal. So this day, they, they asked this um, little boy to pray. Then he prayed that God, because they always assume when we pray, our father and all that. So in his mind, he thought it was his father, his dad they were praying to. In his mind, he thought it was his dad they were praying to. So they, when he had to pray that, so instead of saying in Jesus' name, he was praying to daddy, bless this food and all that. Like, okay, why are you equating your father to, to God. It was like, because his father is good, he, he started making up all this, saying all of these characteristics that he has noticed in his dad. And the dad was like, that really challenged him, and he's hoping that he'll be able to live up to that expectation in the life of this boy. And that's what I want to be a challenge as we walk this walk of faith. We don't just want to walk for the world to see us, which is good and important, but we want to start in our home, which is our Jerusalem. Let our... Let our relationship with our children point them to the fact that our God is merciful. Let our relationship with our spouses point to the fact that God is forgiving, that God is gracious, that God is kind. Because some of us, we, we tell them that, ask God for forgiveness. But they've done something three weeks ago. We are still bringing it back. Oh, last week you, you stepped on this, or last week you did that. If that's what they know about us, and you're telling them that, oh, I'm just um, a representative of God, some of them don't want to know that God we are pointing to. If the way we live our lives before them does not point to the fact that we are emulating someone who is greater than us. So as we, as we try to be kind to our children, as we try to be patient with them, we are, we are not in a hurry. And we suffer long. They do things that, that piss us off, but that's not what we want to hold on to. We are asking God to give us grace to be able to emulate this love of Christ. And number two is, love is kind at all times, which is still in um, verse 5 and verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love is kind. We talked about, when we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about kindness and all of those things. Kindness is tender-hearted heartedness. Some of us, is, it's almost like we are always in a hurry. Like things, like when, is it forbearance? Like you don't have grace for people like ah. I don't have time. I don't want people. We are in a hurry to do things, but that's not what love is like. We should we should be known as people that are not in a hurry to help. That are not in a hurry to 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 do what we need to do. So love is kind at all times. And number three is love is generous. Love is generous, not envious. 
are not jealous, which is still in this verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy and love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. So love is generous, not envious and not jealous. Envious, envy, we talked about, I know Pastor talked about uh, the difference between being jealous and being envious. So you're jealous of someone, like um, when you talked about that God is jealous of us because he he has the right to be jealous of us. But some of us, do we think about what people have, like when you hear good news about someone, and the first thing that comes to our mind is, why, why am I not the one benefiting from this? Or do we think about it and just say, Lord, I'm thankful for this brother, I'm thankful for this sister. So those are the things that comes to mind when we are talking about love, that we really rejoice with other people, that we are not jealous and we are not envious. And the fourth thing is, love is humble and is not self-promoting, not proud or boastful. Still in this verse, it's not self-promoting. Whatever we are thinking of, we, we are not trying to push our agenda to people. We are not trying to, to make people know us, but rather we are trying to push the life of Christ in us to others. We want people to see Jesus in us. That's why we are imitating Christ. We want to see Jesus. We want people to see Jesus in us. Paul said something. He said, everything that I have gotten, I count them as done, that I may win Christ, that I may win Christ. So whatever we are doing, we are doing it so that others will be pointed to the love of Christ, so that others will be pointed to the life of Jesus. Love is humble, not self-promoting, not proud, which is still in verse 4. And the fifth one is, love is never rude, is polite. Love is polite. Love is polite. And there's something about being polite. Being polite does not mean um, you are timid. That you're polite does not mean you don't know what to say or you don't know how to say it. Politeness means that you, you, are, you are considerate of other people. Like, how will what I'm saying, how will it come across to this person? How? Because if we say the right thing at the wrong time, it's still the wrong thing to say. So it's important that we are saying the right thing at the right time and with the right attitude. So those are the things that we want to look at. Love is never rude. We don't talk down on people. We make sure that whatever we are saying to people passes the message of Christ, um, the message of Christ along to them. We don't have to put God in our conversations for people to know that we are Christians. We don't have to put our, our sentences that don't have to have in Jesus' name part time for them to know that. But the way we, the, the way and manner in which we carry ourselves, the content of our, our message should be able to bless life that people would, would hear us and they will know that okay, they, they feel hope. They will hear us and know that, okay, there, there's something about this person speaking to me. It's not because we are calling Jesus, Jesus in our conversation. It's because the world that we speak, it's spirit and it's life. And that, that can only happen when we are walking in this love of God. And the sister one says, love does not manipulate by using shame. It's not selfish. Seeks the good of others, which is still found in um, 1 Corinthians Vice versa, love does not behave rudely, rudely, does not seek its own way, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Like I mentioned earlier, especially with our family, with those that are closest to us, we don't manipulate them, we don't use shame, especially when we are correcting our children. You can't, you can't shame them into obedience. We can't shame our children to, to obey us. No, it's a, it's a work of the heart, and we are addressing the heart of our children. Or we can't we can make our spouses to be at our, our, at our core because we have a wrong, maybe they've done something because they will be the one that will hurt us the most because they are the ones we love the most. They've done something that you know and you're using it as a leverage. That, okay, when they do something, I'll just bring it out and tell them, oh, remember when you did this in 1942? 
Or you remember when you did it in 1970? No, that's, it keeps no record of wrong. It's not proper. We don't use shame. We don't use shame to manipulate people. We, we are dealing with the heart of people. And it's only, it says the heart of man is desperately wicked. Only God knows the heart of people. And if we know the heart of people are wicked, then we should appeal to God that knows the heart of a man to change hearts, to transform the lives of those children, to transform the lives of our spouses, or to transform the lives of our brothers, sisters, cousins, co-workers. Because if we want to do it on our own terms, we are going to step on toes. And the result is going to be that they would see us and not see God. And that's not what we are trying to do. We want people to see God in us. We want the life of Christ to be manifested in us. The seventh one says, it's not irritable or easily offended. Love has good temper. I already said that. Like, good temper is, is like, we should have long, when we say somebody's long-suffering, it's long, and you suffer long. I don't know how to, that's just the easiest way, suffer long. That's what love does. Like, give yourself room. Like, when, when Peter asks Jesus Christ, like, how many times should I forgive my neighbor? Jesus didn't say like five times a day, like after the first time, one them again. The second, the third time, just give it to them. That was not what Jesus said. He said what? 70 times, seven times. And when we think about this, like it would be insane for anyone to offend us 70 times, seven times in a day. So God expects us, if you're going to walk in this, give people room to offend. Like when you wake up in, in the morning, you know, pastor was saying something to us like, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And one of the things we should ask for is, for, for that grace to be tender at it towards those that are around us, to be long-suffering, so that when they do things, you just choose ahead of time. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to take offense in whatever this person is doing. That uh, This child does something like, even though you, you've won them 100 times, they'll do it today. You still won them. Not, not out of, um, you're not agitated. You're not trying to get them to obey you by screaming them down. We are using the love of God. That's your church mind. <laughs> Our holy church mind to make sure that they are not doing the same thing. So we, that's one thing we want to do. We don't want to manipulate them. And we say it's not easily irritable. It has good temper. It has good temper. And the eighth one is love is always honest and sincere. And love corrects in love. That one is, is, is very, is something that, when I say it's dear to my heart, it's something that I know that as we are training our children, as we are, even as adults, everybody, we have authority over us that are correcting us, that are putting us in line. But these days, everyone has the Holy Spirit. So when you correct people, they tell you, I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not tell me that. Why are you dressing up like this? The Holy Spirit did not tell me that. I'm like, this Holy Spirit, you have so many questions to ask people in the day of judgment. But the Bible says something that God corrects those he loves. If we have people over us correcting us, if we have people over us pointing something to us, that maybe, oh, you've done something, and someone is checking us, that, oh, maybe you shouldn't have done this. It's just an opportunity for you to go back to your own hiding place and say, Lord, thank you that you still have people watching over me, people correcting me. Because the Bible says, those that don't get corrected are illegitimate children. So for me to be corrected means I'm still a child of God. I'm still a, on your mind. And you have sent people to correct me, people to point me in the right direction. The Bible says in, uh, I think it's in third, um, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that it says the word of God is for doctrine, it's for correction, it's for reproof. It's not just blessings we get from the word of God. It's not just protection we get from the word of God. It's also for doctrine, for correction, and for rebuke. We are rebuked through the word of God. And rebuke, when someone rebukes, it's not because they hate you. We are rebuked because... 
On this earth, we are not going to be perfect men. So rebuke and correction is to point us in the line of where we are supposed to go. It's to direct us in the path God has laid out for us. Those are the things rebukes are for. So when we do it, either we are the one giving the correction or we are the one receiving the correction. We have to do it in love. When we are giving correction, either to our children, to our subordinates, those working on us, we have to do it in love. And when we are receiving correction, we have to receive it in love because we know that God loves us so much. That's why he's sending correction our way. That's how, why he's sending um, rebuke our way. And another thing too we do as Christians, when people ask for opinion, instead of, you know, maybe, <laughs> or maybe even spouses, your, your wife has makeup that is not good on her face, and say, love, how do I look? Perfect. Like, you look wonderful. Because you don't want to offend them. Please be honest. And that relates to every aspect of our life. There are some things that you have to think over it in your mind, digest it, digest it, so that it comes out the right way, so that people receive it. That's why we are talking about honesty and sincerity. But that would help a life more than telling them lies. More than telling them, it's Sometimes when someone asks, I have been in a situation when someone, okay, what do you think? And I know that if I tell you what I think, is you're not going to take, I'll just say, I, I, have, I have a thought, but I don't know how to say it. Just give me time to process it. Or for now, like, I hold my peace. But let them know that, okay, at least that gives the person a signal that, okay, this person is not approving of what I'm doing or that. But we have to be sincere in whatever we are saying. If we don't have... If you don't have, if what you're, what you're going to say is not the truth, don't say it. It's like you look at somebody like, you really look nice today. And you know that in my, in my, in my life, I will never dress this way. Why are you saying they look nice? You don't have to say things that we don't mean. Even to our children, they've drawn a picture. And you know that picture is not good. I say, good job. We have to encourage them. But we have to put balance. You can tell them, you've attempted, your attempt is good at this. You can do better. See this place, like give them, but you're not, you're not saying, ah, I can never draw that way. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do. But at least let them know the truth so that when, is, this age is when we are forming them into the image of Jesus. We are forming them into, so that when someone, if, if, we are, if they are used to hearing compliments, like they don't do anything that is bad, all the things we tell them is that, oh, they've done well. They don't, and they go outside and someone tells them that what you have done is, is, is not good. And they're going to take offense like, my mother or my father never said I've done anything wrong. So why would somebody else outside say? So they're going to take offense. So we have to help them to take correction. Help them to take critical, I mean, critiques good so that they, they can improve and better be a better person as they are growing up. So the number nine is love does not focus on what is flawed. Like I just said, it's sin and unrighteousness. Like I said, when I was talking about the, the issue of Jesus Christ, the example he left for us. The fact that we love people does not mean we condone the things they are doing. It does not mean we approve of their lifestyles. It does not mean we approve of, of their acts of disobedience or unrighteousness. No, we love the people, but dislike or hate sin, that, the sin in them. So we love, the, um, we, we, we love people. We love people, that's what I'm trying to say. But the fact that um, you have a, a child or a spouse or a co-worker that does not believe the same way you believe does not mean you, you hate them or you stop talking to them. No, not that We love people, but we hate unrighteousness. But we don't focus on what is flawed, or, but we hate sin and we hate unrighteousness. Another thing about that is um, 
We love people. We don't use people. We don't, we don't, we don't try. It's not like we are trying to sow seeds that, oh, okay, when I'm nice to this person, then they can in turn be nice to me. When I do things for this person, we are not trying to bargain. Love does things without expecting things back. We do things for people. It's not because we are expecting them to do that back to us. So we love people. We don't use people. We, lo- we don't love things. We love people. Uh, 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 and, and we let the life of Christ show in us to them. And the last one is love is loyal to the end. Love is loyal to the end. He says it's like even if, like in the current and um, the text message we read, that they, they are all there's love, there is hope and faith. But the greatest out of these three is love. So love is loyal to the end. If we say to somebody that I'm going to be with you, like if you say to a friend that okay. Maybe they have the issue or sometimes you tell them, I'm going to be praying with you. We don't pray once and stop praying. If, if we give people our word, let's stay by it. No matter how inconvenient it is, you can imagine God saying, okay, after the redemption plan has been set in motion and Jesus Christ, man, Father, I've thought about that. To die on the cross, that won't be an easy task. Can I back out today? You can imagine if Jesus Christ had renegotiated and if for any reason we are human, we cannot compare our own loyalty to that of God's loyalty. If at any point we need to change our minds, like maybe you've promised someone you're going to do something, let them know that, okay, at this point I'm not able to do it. But you don't leave people guessing that, okay, ah, will they do it? Will they? And if, if people know us to be untrustworthy, unreliable, then they'll question the faith in which we have in Jesus. Because those are unbelievers. They, they stand by their words. How much more those of us that have Christ living in us? How much more those of us that have Christ living in us? The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave. So the essence of this love, the love that does not give, is not just material things. It can be questioned. The love that doesn't give can be questioned. In John chapter 3, which is a very popular scripture, John chapter 3 verse 16 says, says for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. He doesn't have scraps like, okay, um, maybe Angel Michael or Gabriel, which one? I love Jesus too much. He gave his best. And that's when we are going to give people things. We don't give them out of the leftover. We give, if we, if we, if we are really walking in line and in step with the Father, as the Bible says that we read in Ephesians chapter 5, that was, let us be imitators of God. If you are walking in line and in step with our Father, that we don't hold anything back when we are trying to give people things or when we are trying to do things for people. We hold nothing back. We give them the best. So the unit measure of our love is sacrifice. Love that cannot sacrifice, that can't go out of your way because something is not convenient for you, has to be questioned. Love that is not sacrificial has to be questioned. So we don't wait for people to be good before we show them the love of God. God did not wait for us to be good before he sent Jesus to die for us. He did not wait for us to be good before he sent Jesus to us. And that's, that's the, the, the premise in which we are taking our stand, that we don't want to do things for people because they deserve it. Because none of us deserve anything. None of us deserve anything. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we're still sinners. And if we think about this, there's nothing that we have received. That's what the Bible says. It says all the things we have, we, we don't have them because we merit them. We have them because of God's mercies. And when we think about that in our lives, that all of the th- things I enjoy, 
good health, I sleep and I wake up, children, we are fruitful. And you think about all of these things, it's not because we have done anything to deserve this. It's just because of God's special mercies. And when you think about this, that out of that outpouring of God's love for us, we're able to express that love to other people. And one thing I want us to, to know is, in talking about all of those things, you can't give what you don't have. If the love of the Father is not flowing to you, to your own heart, it's hard for you to allow that love to flow to anybody. If the love of the Father is not flowing to our heart, it is hard for us to allow that to flow to other people. And how do we allow the love of the Father to flow through us? We talked about that when we were talking about um, partnership last week and communion, communion with the Holy Spirit, communion with the Holy Spirit. We have to daily go to the Father to receive a touch from Him. We are always in the Word, in prayer, in communion with God. We are in partnership with God. We are allowing God to, we go there with our fields every day and God breathes new life into us. God reignites our hearts with love each day when we go into his presence. And as we are coming out of the presence of God, we are able to give this love to other people. We are able to share this love of God that we have freely received with others. I will just read this story. Um, love is a matter of will more than feelings. It's a matter of will more than feeling. It's not because um, there are days that you don't feel like doing it. You don't feel like loving people, but you choose to do it. And, and this story summarizes what I'm, I'm trying to, to communicate to us. <clears throat> a newspaper columnist and a minister, George Crane, tells of a wife who came to his office full of hatred towards her husband. I do not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I, I want to hurt him as much as he has me. Dr. Crane suggested, as ingenious, suggested an ingenious plan. Go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be kind, considerate, generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you love him. And after you've, cons you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're getting a divorce. That will really hurt him. So that's the whole idea the, the, the pastor told the lady. So with revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, beautiful, beautiful. Will he ever be surprised? And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if for two months she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, and sharing. When she didn't return, Crane called, are you ready now to go through with the divorce? <laughs> you can guess. He said, what? The verse? She exclaimed, never. I discovered I really do love him. Our actions have changed our feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not just so much by fervent promise as often by repeated deeds. So you want to, there are certain things that we have to do repeatedly, repeatedly for your mind to actually believe it. So it's not just for you, your lips, you can keep confessing, I love this person, or I love God. Or, but if our, our words is not backed up by our actions, it might be very hard for these things to translate into what we really want. You cannot claim to love God if we do not love people. I already said that. We can't claim to love God. That's what the Bible says, that if we say we love God and we don't love people, it says the truth, we are telling a lie. We are telling a lie. So we can't say we love God if we do not love people. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4 verse 20 says, 
If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So the test of our hearts to know how much of God we have in us is, is the reason why God has placed people around us. If, if there are not people to test what we confess or what we believe, then we, we don't know how well we are doing in our love work. So all of the people we have around us, our children, our spouses, our co-workers, are just test ground for us to really show that we really love God, that we claim to love. We can also, another thing I want us to take away is that we can love people we dislike. We can love people we dislike. It is a supernatural fruit produced. Love is a supernatural fruit that is produced in the spirit of Christian by the Holy Spirit. Love is a supernatural fruit produced in us by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, now, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So if we see that, okay, I'm not walking in love as I ought to, that means it's a time for us to go back to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on us afresh. It's a time for us to go back to our hiding place and just say to God, okay, Lord, I'm not, I'm not walking in love as I ought to. Would you please just rebaptize my heart and open my heart to the love of God afresh? Open my heart to the love of God afresh. Another thing, too, for us as Christians is love is the greatest proof of our Christianity. There's no Christianity without love. There is no Christianity without love because the foundation of our Christian faith started with Jesus Christ. And how did he come? It says, for God so loved the world. That was the redemption plan that was set in motion. God loved us so much and he sent his best, Jesus Christ, for us. So if we say we are Christians and we find it difficult to love people, then that means our, 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 our faith in God can be questioned. So there is no love. I mean, love is the greatest proof of our Christian faith. In John chapter 3, John chapter 13 that we've seen earlier, verse 34 to 35 says, As the new commandments I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all we know that you are my disciples, if you, if you have love for one another. That's how people know that we are Christians. We've heard of testimonies of people just the way they, um, I was, someone was sharing with us um, some times ago. She works in a, in a health care. So when she goes there, like people that people, normally nobody would want to attend to them because they have all of these medical issues. People are trying to run away from there. But each time she goes there, the first thing she, people don't want to touch anybody. She will place her hand on them just Touch, just normal touch, like, okay, hope you're well, just be nice to them. So there was a time she, I think she was off duty. She said, no, she was off duty for some days. And this patient kept asking for her. Kept, or like, if, they, if she comes back, she wants them to post her to her. It's not because she, she's a healer, but what, because of that love of Christ. That, and she didn't preach the message of Christ, but she, she, just her life was radiating Christ. The presence, just that touch alone was enough to point to that person that, oh, this is someone that has something to offer. And that's one thing we want to carry as we, as we are aiming to become more like Jesus. That's our confession in this house, that we are becoming more like Jesus, not just in our words, not just in our thoughts, but in our actions. We want to become like Jesus in our words, in our thoughts, and in our action. So the basic element of, this is the basic element of Christian, and we have to make it our pursuit. Paul said something when he was talking to you, when, in his letter to the um, Corinthians, 
I'll read out from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1a. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your greatest quest. It's not even me that I'm preaching. I'm preaching to myself inclusive that we might not be there. We might not be where God wants us to be. But this work of our Christian faith is progressive. It's progressive on this part of the earth. It is progressive. So, but we have to make it our aim. We know that this is something we are working towards. This is something we are, we are aiming for. This is something we are aiming for. We are progressively working in line with this. We are progressively uh, uh, waiting for God to help us to, to walk in love as we hope to. So he says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this, to love, make it your aim, your greatest quest. And I pray that as we do this, the Lord will help us. I pray as we do this, as we make it our aim, like the Bible says, the Lord will help us to walk in it in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we just stand up and just say this prayer? I know we are all, we all depend on God to help us. Father, let's just ask him that, Lord, help us, help our hearts. If there's any way we have not walked in this expectation of you for us, oh God, in any way we have come short in our love walk, oh God, Father, help us, oh God. Holy Spirit, we ask, oh God, help us rekindle our hearts, oh God, our love for you, because out of the love you have for us, oh God, are we able to love others, oh God? You said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, we come to you again, oh God. Rekindle your love in our hearts. Rekindle your love in our hearts, oh God. Father, we ask, oh God, help us to see ourselves the same way we see us, oh God. The Bible says, say, what is the greatest commandment when someone has Jesus Christ? It says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It says the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So if we are not loving our neighbors, that means we are not loving ourselves. Lord, help us, oh God, to love you with all of our hearts to love you with all of our souls, to love you with all of our strength in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. Let's ask for mercy in any way we have, we have displayed to others that we are not you, yours. Lord, forgive us in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us, oh God, to live the way we ought to live, oh God. Help us to live the way we ought to live, oh God, to show people that we are yours, oh God. Father, to help us to, to point others to you in our words, in our thoughts, in our actions, oh God. Let our actions, oh God, point others to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, oh God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that has come forth, oh God. Lord, we ask, oh God, that you would speak to us, oh God, as we go today, oh God. Lord, you continue to speak to us, oh God. You point us to the right thing we ought to do, oh God, personally, oh God, in our individual lives, oh God, where we need to make corrections, oh God, where we need to make amends, oh God. Father, you point to us in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, oh God. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.